My Italian isn't very good, so I might get this wrong. But Gitano Nicosia was born in Italy on April 3, 1915. In 1935, at just 20 years of age, he moved to Hong Kong, which back in 1935 was a big deal. It was a long way from home. In 1939, having learnt some of the culture and some of the language, the Chinese language, Gitano moved from Hong Kong into the island of Macau in China. He moved to an orphanage there, to a tiny orphanage there, and he was part of caring for small orphaned Chinese children, and he lived there for 10 years. He was expelled from China in 1950 when the Communist Party, after World War II, came to, part, came to power and, uh, and kicked, sort of, um, kicked the non-Chinese out of China. But he didn't go home. He stayed in Hong Kong. Because he would say to people, his heart was given to the people of China. He would describe it like this and people say, why wouldn't you go home? He, he would say, when I was a boy, I promised Jesus this is what I would do. In 1963, more than a decade later, a door opened again in China. And Gitano asked for permission to move back to the island of Macau, which he was granted. And he moved into a, into a corner of the island where a tiny leper colony lived. All on their own, a colony of lepers, far away, abandoned by the rest of the island. His work and life amongst that leper colony became legendary. He renovated and refurbished houses. He provided and supplied fresh drinking water to the people there. He bought electricity to that part of the island for the first time. He provided medical care. He built a farm and a workshop so that that local community uh, could learn trades and could make things and look after themselves. He created a village council so that that small colony of people could, could have some sense of self-determination, actually sort of make decisions and govern themselves. Gitano Nicosia lived in that leper colony for 48 years. In 2000, I'm going to get a bit emotional. In 2011, in 2011, the last of the lepers in that colony were pronounced cured. He stayed there until every one of those lepers was announced cured of leprosy. In 2011, when there were zero cases left, he retired to Hong Kong. He was 96 years old. Wow. One person who met Gitano said, all who met him, even for a few moments, were struck by his goodness, his joy and his sincere enthusiasm. A former leper would say this about him would say, he came to our colony bringing dignity, well-being and health and the Christian faith. It was hell. It's now a heaven. Gitano is our angel. Gitano Nicosia gave his life 
gave his life to the lepers in Macau. He died peacefully in 2017 at the age of 102. I saw a friend a couple of nights ago. He asked me how my family was doing. Uh, and we just talked through, you know, what kids were doing or whatever. And I said that my wife uh, was back at school this week because the students go back next week. He nodded and he said to me, oh, so your family's almost back to normal. Almost back to normal. Because that's the thing, isn't it? Like Christmas isn't normal. The Christmas holidays aren't normal. But when January comes and when we go back to school and when kids go back to school and when all the routines start again, then life goes back to normal. And we've been asking ourselves in this series at the beginning of the year, we've been asking ourselves, what happened to Jesus after Christmas? What happened to Jesus when life went back to normal? What happened to the baby? Because of course the baby grew up. I mean, there's no surprises there. But what is more surprising, as we've kind of journeyed in this series, what is more surprising is the fact that we're still talking about that baby 2,000 years later. Quick quiz to prove the point. Who knows the names of Jesus' parents? Right, everyone. Okay, it's not a trick question. Right, Mary and Joseph. (laughs) Who knows the name of the town where Jesus was born? Bethlehem, right? Everyone's nodding. We all kind of know that. Who knows the names of their great-grandparents? Anyone? No one. Who knows the name of the town where their great-grandparents were born? If you don't know their names, probably no one. Do you ever think about how amazing that is? That you know more about a baby born 2,000 years ago than you do about your own family born less than 200 years ago. Why is it that Jesus was so famous? Why is it that we sit here and laugh and argue about it? Do we know our great-grandparents or not? But we know Jesus. We know his parents. We know where he was born. And we say, why? I mean, you know, Jesus never won a war. He never wrote a book. He never built anything. He never traveled anywhere. He never made a single YouTube video. And yet 2,000 years later, he's a household name. 2,000 years later, people will give their lives. They'll give their whole lives over to serving him. They will sacrifice their whole lives in his name. What is it that makes Jesus so memorable? What is it that makes Jesus worth dying for? And this series, we've talked about the way that Jesus redefined love. We said that he talked about love. He talked about a sacrificial kind of love. He talked about love not as something that we try and get, but as something we give. Jesus redefined community. He lived in a world, as we do, in a world that had groups, that had people who were in and people who were out. And Jesus radically redefined who was in by saying that in his kingdom, in his world, in his way of doing things, everyone was in. And Jesus redefined the path to God. Jesus lived in a world where where, where people tried all kinds of ways 
all kinds of ways to get to God. And we live in that sort of world today. There are all sorts of different paths to get to God, to find meaning and purpose, to find uh, sort of fulfilment in life, whatever it is that, that is kind of God to you. And Jesus stepped into the world and said, do you want to find God? I am the way. I am the way to meaning and purpose and eternal life. And today I want to wrap up this series and really talk about actually the number one reason. All those are good reasons, but I want to talk about the number one reason that you've heard of Jesus. The number one reason that he's still a household name is that Jesus rose from the dead. The reason that you've heard about Jesus, the reason that people kept talking about Jesus, the reason that people decided to follow his teaching and his way of life, the the reason that people then and now will dedicate themselves to him, the reason that people will literally give up their lives for him is that Jesus said that he was going to die. He said that three days after he died, he was going to raise to life again and he did. Jesus beat the only thing that beats everyone. Jesus beat death. That's the reason, that's the number one reason that Jesus is a household name across the planet today. Yeah, he taught some fantastic things about love. He had some views about other people, what we might call today, some views about sort of diversity and inclusion that were thousands of years ahead of his time. He did some crazy stuff, some things that people today would call miracles, some, people that, some things that people back then called absolute miracles. All of that's true. But if Jesus were only that, you would never have heard of him. If that's all that Jesus did, he would have been famous for a while, maybe a generation, maybe two. But his own grandkids, his own great-great-great-grandkids, he didn't have great-grandkids, but you get the point. His own great-grandkids would never have heard his name. The only reason you've heard the name of Jesus is that he said he would die. He said in three days later he would come back to life and he did it. A generation after Jesus, Paul explained it like this. This is 1 Corinthians 15. Paul writes, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you've believed in vain. Paul's saying, I want to remind you of the good news about Jesus. Verse 3, for what I received, I passed on to you as a first importance. It's a kind of complicated way of saying, I want to tell you what's most important. What I received... I passed on to you as a first importance. This is the most important thing I've got to tell you, he says. Verse 3, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, 
that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, which is another name for Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep, which means they're dead. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. This is the most important thing that you need to know about Jesus. He died for our sins, he was buried, and he was raised to life on the third day. Peter saw him. The rest of the 12 saw him. 500 people saw him at the same time. He's saying, I'm not making this up. This is not a story. That's why he says most of these people, uh, most of these people are still living. It's his wife saying, you can fact check me. This this whole letter was written uh, while these people were still alive. He's saying, you can fact check me. 500 people saw him alive after his resurrection at the same time. They're still living. You can go ask them. His brother James saw him. Verse 8, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I'm the least of all the apostles and do not deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He said, and Jesus appeared to me says Paul. Even though I'm nothing compared to those others. I'm nothing compared to those other other apostles. I mean, the stuff I've done in my background. But Jesus appeared to me too. Jump to verse 12. But if it's preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. Paul's saying, we've been telling you since the beginning that Jesus rose. That's the heart of this story. Hundreds of people saw it. Why are some of you saying that the dead people can't rise again? I mean, if Jesus, if dead people can't rise again, then Jesus didn't rise and then this whole thing's a waste of time. Verse 15. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God. For we've testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But if he did not raise him from the dead, then the dead are not raised. Paul's saying, not only that, if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then we are, we're lying. We're not liars, right? Verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep, who have died in Christ, are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. He's saying, if Jesus didn't rise again, your faith, your belief in God, your Christian faith, is futile. It's a waste of time. It's not my opinion. It's what Paul's saying here. Verse 19, if you're just following Jesus, if you're just following Jesus for this life, he writes, we are of all people most to be pitied. He's saying, people should feel sorry for you. 
If you think Jesus is just for this life, if you're following Jesus kind of just for this life, then people should feel sorry for you because, because you're wasting your time. People should feel sorry for you. Verse 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through one man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through one man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all have been made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Paul's argument here is a little bit complicated. I don't know if you follow it. There's, a, there's some weird stuff in, in, that, uh, in those few verses. But this is really important. Let me try and explain what, uh, what Paul's saying here. He's saying that Jesus is the first one to be raised from the dead. That's why he said Jesus is the first fruits, as in literally meaning like when apples come into season, there's always that first apple you get off the tree, right? That's what it means. He's saying he's the first one to come. And he goes on to explain, he said that, that death entered the world through one man, talking about Adam. We've talked about this before, that, that um, the, the, uh, the, the big story of the Bible is that in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, we see God creates a perfect world where there's no death. People are created to live forever and it's beautiful and it's amazing and it's wonderful. And in three, uh, humankind, people, Adam and Eve, decide that they want to do life on their own. They don't want to do things God's way and they rebel. And a bunch of things happen as a result of their rebellion. And one of the consequences of their rebellion is that death enters the world. And so Paul's saying, do you remember how death came into the world? Well, it's like death came into the world through one person. And now death is going to go away also through one person. Right? He's saying like one person created the problem. And out of that one person, it then flowed to everyone. Well, now one person has fixed the problem of death. And that fix is now going to flow out to everyone. Does that make sense? He says, for as in Adam all die, right? So because of Adam, everyone dies. As in Adam all die, this is verse 22. So in Christ, all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, in other words, it begins with Christ. He's the first one. Then when he comes, those who belong to him. He says, death came into the world through one person. Eternal life is also coming into the world through one person. First, Jesus, and then those who belong to him. Which in Paul's world means initially it was uh, that good news went to the disciples and then to those who believed their message and then to those uh, to whom they handed on the story and then to their kids and then to their grandkids and so on and so on until we get to Gitano Nicosia and then eventually to us. Jesus said he would die. He said he would rise again and he did. And when he rose again, he beat death and he beat sin. And he opened the way for those who would believe in him to therefore also beat death and beat sin. It's what we usually call eternal life. 
Jesus was the first, but he opened the way for everyone, for us to experience that in life. Verse 30. And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? Paul says this resurrection of the dead, the the, the truth of the resurrection, that's why I'm willing to put myself in danger every day. That's That's why I'm willing to risk death every day because this thing is true. And that's why to this very day, people are willing to risk their lives for the truth of Jesus. It's why people are willing to give away their life, to give away their life for Jesus because they know that death is not the end. That there is a resurrection of the dead that began with Jesus. He was the first and is then available to all who would believe in him. That's why Gitano Nicosia can move to a tiny island in China and spend his entire life there and give it away to a group of lepers. Because he knew that death was not the end. Because he knew that there was a resurrection. Because he knew that those 500 people who saw it were telling the truth and they passed on that story and they passed on that story. This isn't some old wives tale. There were actually people there who saw it. Paul wrote it down and said, you can fact check me. There's people in the crowd who were there and saw him. Verse 32, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink. For tomorrow we die. It's Paul's kind of artistic way of saying, if there's no resurrection, then there's no point to any of this. We should just party and then die, right? The only reason that you've ever heard of Jesus is because he said he would die. He said, and in three days I will come back to life and he did it he did it and and in doing so he opened the way for you to have resurrection for you to have resurrection beyond this life that's the only reason you've ever heard of Jesus and that's what in, in Christianity we call that's the gospel that's the good news of Jesus That's what makes Jesus worth dying for. It's also what makes Jesus worth living for. That's why we remember Jesus. That's why 2,000 years after his life and his death, we're sitting here today still talking about him. 